music's going. We're dancing and chair dancing, so it must be a Monday night. Am I right? Monday night. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Brainy's Peach Tea. This is episode 105 for those who are in town. Uh, and we're opening up this show with the leader of my group love, which was featured in Superman. So, uh, there we go. We got, we got that going. Um, and yeah, thank you for joining us this evening. Uh, this in New York, rainy Monday evening. Uh, I am Ed. This is Jason with me as always. Jason, what's yes. up, Ed? Uh, good, good, good to be here as always. Ready to talk some Superman and Lois. I'm ready to talk about that. We sure are, and yeah, and we have some other stuff to be talking about. We'll be talking about the second episode of Gotham Knights, and uh, we will be talking about the Spirit from 2008, a kind of one-off film we decided to chuck in there. I know last week again we teased we were going to see Mario Brothers. We put that off one more week. So this week landed us on the spirit. Uh, but thanks for joining us. You're joining us in the Facebook live stream, us on YouTube, on Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you found the audio only podcast. We always appreciate the support. And if you are checking us out on Facebook, you can make sure to during this broadcast, you can support our page by sending stars and a digital gift that helps us earn money. So come hang out with us and talk some comic book shit tonight. And you know who would want you to do this, my brothers and sisters? Kalel would want you to dig deep and give us those stars and digital gifts because Kalel shines the red sun on us all. <laughs> oh, got Boss Brachi. You know, that's a beautiful ball drum, Mr. Ed. <laughs> Thank you, Boss Man. I appreciate that. I work very hard at this. <laughs> um, yeah, so, Jason, what's up? How's, how's your week been, man? It's been all right. It's been all right. Uh, you know, just, it's Monday, so it is what it is. But I, I, I am finishing up just today. Uh, I've got 20 minutes left of the last episode of HBO's Rome. Um, and I got to say, if anyone out there is even thinking about watching this show, do it. This is one of the best rides I've ever been on. This this oh, wow. This show is like historical fiction on meth i love it and like in a good way like and i and i looked it up apparently it's um you know they take they take some historical accuracy liberties with characters and the such but it is historically authentic in a lot of ways so it's like i i love the idea of time travel and so like watching this made me feel like oh my god this is i'm time traveling i'm getting to watch all this stuff in rome but anyway uh if anyone's interested and and also if you like i think if you like game of thrones you'll like this i'll let you know because winter is coming ed i i'm dude i'm really really excited it, for that man I, it I is the, i'm gonna finish rome and my next binge watch is going to be uh game of thrones it's it's, it's i've been circling the drain for so long i got a lot of other hbo stuff i want to get to but i think Now's the time. So watch Rome and I will let you know how close how like how it equates to Game of Thrones theme wise and feel wise. Because I know it's the same people. Apparently it's the show that made HBO realize they could do something like Game of Thrones. Okay. Um and it has that similar and I actually have a friend at work who uh, is a social studies teacher 
and I was talking about Rome and Game of Thrones, and he's like, yeah, well, Game of Thrones is just, you know, they're just taking stuff from the Roman Empire and putting, you know, walkers and dragons in it. And I'm like, that's actually, that sounds really cool. So so I'm, I, I will be reporting going forward about how my winter is going. As during the summer. During the summer, yes. Winter during the <laughs> summer. Exactly. Summer. <laughs> exactly. I, I couldn't I couldn't actually watch this during winter. That would be cliche. It sure would be. Um even though wait, did it I feel like the show was every summer. I think it was <laughs> actually. I think I, it was. Here's the thing, I, I avoided it all. Like I know almost nothing about the show. I have like and I knew I had friends who were avid into it like oh yo jay you gotta come over and watch game of thrones and i'd be like sorry i don't watch game of thrones um <laughs> you know, but 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 i was able to avoid almost all spoilers i know everyone dies uh i know someone gets molten gold poured down their throat which is super cool that's pretty early on though um and i know like almost every person who got who i'm watching in these Fucking comic book shows and movies got their start in this, so that's all I know. Oh, and the ending sucks. That's all I know. Oh wow, what is this? Okay, we did it on. Uh, Farachi saying we did that and put it in the books uh, when Keith was starting to watch our last wow. segment. Was, wow. Okay. All right. Look at that little symmetry here across crossover. Crossover. Okay. Uh, and Alex is here. Uh, gonna get my law degree early so I can help <laughs> and Jonathan Majors. Yeah, we. Uh, Alex, that's actually going to be our first topic uh, that we're going to jump into this evening because that is uh, a thing that is kind of related to us. We, Chase and I are not being lawyers, so we're just you know nope. going on what is the latest out of this. So earlier tonight, for those who may not know, uh, over the weekend, Jonathan Majors, who plays uh, Kang in uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, and also late, latest in Creed Three. Uh, rising star, you know, in Hollywood, uh, was arrested over the weekend in New York City for uh, domestic and, and domestic violence situation. Uh, I just want to make sure you get it right. So earlier today, as uh, People Magazine is reporting, uh, Majors was charged with three uh, counts of third degree assault. Uh, this is in addition to the second degree aggravated harassment, three counts of third degree attempted assault, and second degree harassment. Uh, citing documents from the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, police cite that Majors allegedly, quote, sh uh, struck the victim uh, about the face with an open hand, causing substantial pain and a laceration behind uh, her ear. Additionally, he grabbed her hand and neck, causing bruising and substantial pain. Um, ABC News is also noting that Majors is the one who actually called 911 to report it um and nicole was uh reportedly over concerns about his girlfriend who he lives with in a penthouse apartment in the chelsea neighborhood uh police arrived the girlfriend told officers that they were in a taxi together after uh returning from a bar and that majors physically attacked her uh majors was then arrested and uh notice marks were on the police noticed that marks were on the woman so, um, I mean, we can speculate over guilty or innocent here. I mean, I would always I, err on wanting to believe that this did not happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would. Here's the thing: like, this is my stance on it. I don't 
want this to be true because I actually really dig this guy as an actor, and I was excited to see where his career went as his star is rising, like with Creed Three and Kang, and and you know I, I watched him in Lovecraft Country, which was not a good show, but he was really good on it. You didn't like um, that? No, I liked some of it, but it, it wasn't. I was really wasn't great. Okay. Um, but I don't know, like I'm. I, 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 as a person, need to. I feel that I need to always side with the victim until it's proven wrong because we have a sordid history in just society where, like, you know, in the 80s, it was okay to beat the shit out of your women and, and nothing happened. Like, you know, cops would come to the house and the guy would go, nope, it's fine. That would be it. So, you know, we, we, we have this mentality of blaming the victim, especially if we like the abuser. Um, I know that the their his lawyers say they have video evidence that it's not him. I hope they do, but as we were talking about on offline, like the only thing that's going to convince me that he didn't do this is a video showing someone else doing it to her that corresponds with the bruising and lacerations that she has. I mean, because that's the only because like if that it doesn't happen, then you really need to prove why she's lying. Uh, and and the fact is, and this is a reality of it, um, you know, Disney doesn't want this to go anywhere because Disney has based their entire Phase Five Marvel around this guy. So even and her six. Re- and six, yep. so even her re reinfl- uh, even even um, her recanting her statement alone does not convince me of that because if the mouse shows up to your house with a bunch of Gestapo, Disney Gestapo, you're going to recant your statement too. Cause they're fucking Disney. They're one of the most powerful things in the world. Yeah. We have a couple of comments on this. I, I do want to get to here. Uh, first is uh, Farachi, a slightly messy situation. Can one of you get down to his place and report from the scene? Please. <laughs> thanks. Uh, funny you bring... Should have sent the Quinjet, man. I would have went if he sent the Quinjet again. Funny, funny thing is, is that uh, for actually that you mentioned that because just last night as I was falling asleep, I was watching the movie Nightcrawler, stalling Jake Gyllenhaal, and that's pretty much kind of what that situation. Did you see Nightcrawler? No, but I do want to. It's it's on that list. It's on the list of movies I need. I know I need to see, but I just need to be in the right mood for. Okay, yeah, because like I haven't seen it in a while. That movie is absolutely outstanding, and Jake Gyllenhaal is. I feel like I think we may have talked about it on the episode. When we covered uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. I think we did, yeah. I think we did. Yeah, Frosty's on the same thing, yeah. Love that movie so good. It really is. And, like, Jake Gyllenhaal's performance, I usually compare to uh, Christian Bale in American Psycho. Like, to mm. that level. He doesn't play the same character, but, like, he's just all in. And he, yeah. it, there are some similarities where I, I can compare the two. So, um, And Alex is mentioning uh same thing. I told Jason they were mistaken for a Kang variant. Yeah. I mean, maybe this is John, you know, Jonathan Majors from uh, a different universe. Maybe we'll get ours back. The one who doesn't abuse his wife. Yeah. And uh, Burr is coming. Burr, thank you for joining us this evening, man. Thanks, I appreciate Burr. that. Always a pleasure to interact with you, my friend. The majestic Burr, as majestic I recall, Jason dubbing yes. him a long time. <laughs> I uh, can't believe that stuck for so long. <laughs> I still bring it out. You can ask him. I, I still call him that once in a while. So it has never gone away. The fact that Burr even stuck, even stuck is, is tremendous. But uh, could be self-inflicted. I mean, it, it's... Yeah, it, it could be. But again, yeah, for possible. me to believe that, I would need to see the video of her inflicting it on herself. Like, 
I mean, I don't know. I, I can't like, especially as hard as I've been on Ezra Miller on this show, yeah. and as much as I've been like going so far as to say I won't see another Flash movie even for this show if they continue with him, mm-hmm. it would be hypocritical for me to. And and granted, I never liked Ezra Miller, so that was easy for me. It would be it would make me a hypocrite to back him up without proof just because I like him. So I I, I would have to see that video of her doing it to herself for me to believe that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I definitely want to see, and I'm sure we probably all will, at some point, the the video showing his innocence. I mean, I'm I'm gonna just still try to hold back and reserve judgment. Yeah, I mean, not same going here. either way on this thing, but same I mean, here. But it, I, I'm not gonna lie; it tarnishes him for me. Even even you know, until it's proven wrong, even just the accusation kind of makes me go, I don't know, was I wrong in liking this guy so much? Yeah, I mean, we're also saying we we like him as an actor. And yeah. If he got arrested, they could save the Avengers sometime by stopping him. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and Burr's also saying the only reason I say that is because there's so much time between the supposed attack fair. and the next report. No, I mean it's yeah, fair. It's also it's all fair. So yeah, uh, I think the part we wanted to also, you know, discuss here as it relates to our show and to our preview of what we do, is if he is guilty. Yeah, because I think if he's proven innocent. This will probably this story will fade away, and For sure. that'll be the end of that, and that'll be it, and things will move on. Um, but if he is guilty, I mean, you like you mentioned, Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios are banking the future of the MCU on this guy. I mean, he they're they're all in with him. Um, yeah, my guess is they would just recast. I mean, you can't change the entire through line that they have planned out for. No. two phases, you know, to eliminate Kang, the character of King. That's my no, and investment. I, and I guess it's easy to recast because you could just go, oh, this is the one Kang variant that doesn't look like that, you know, those other Kang variants. And then, like, movie sleight of hand, yeah, they're all the Kang variants. Like, I, It would be easy enough to do. And I agree with you. I think that's worst case scenario but i also do think that disney's going to throw their legal weight behind this to try to clear his name well i just think that if if he's ultimately guilty right if if he i'm just assuming he is and i don't yeah think one way or the other right now because i we don't, still yeah, think that saying... yeah no matter how much stuff is out there because i see burr is also dropping in here uh did you see the report with the original yep. caller uh yeah Exactly. Yep, no, we, 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 we talked about that earlier. Um, so, and it's just, yeah, it, it's, it's it, again, like you mentioned, yeah, Disney's probably going to try to have his back the best that they can, but hopefully it's not on a technicality. It's that right. either he did it or didn't do it. Because you're right, like, you know, most people will believe OJ did what he did. But right. he is free. You know what I mean? Like, I, you don't want right. it to be one of those situations because then that will hover over their, you know, hover over Jonathan Majors for the rest of his career. And, right. And that'll be that. And if he did it, then, dude, you, you destroyed your own career. I mean, right. Yeah. I mean, can't, we can't help you with that. If he did it, no sympathy. But, like, I don't know. I hope he didn't. Like, I hope this proof does exonerate him because, again, I like this guy as an actor. I was excited to see his star rise yeah and it's as if disney has so yeah. much to lose and i've been losing so much money already 
Yeah, they've also been. I mean, I know there's been that stuff out there too about Disney's losing a lot of money and stuff like that. Well, I think Disney's also losing money because the old person that was in for Bob Iger, right? Like the his replacement over there, who was you know Bob Iger's back now. He the way he was running the studio and running Disney just wasn't sustainable. I mean, look at the MCU. In two years, they had seventeen projects come out. Yeah, I know. Seventeen. Fantastic for fans. Yeah, but but it does. But it's a twofold problem. One, there's no way to sustainably make money when you, because these projects are expensive. The whole thing about these projects are you have to do them. They're time release. You have to do them sparingly because you're spending a shit ton of money on them, and then just drop them in and let them sort of dissolve money into your bank account, right? But if you if you just keep churning out, you're not gonna you're gonna be spending more than you're making, especially when you're doing so many of these projects for Disney Plus, which, yes, it gets subscribers, but I would be curious about the data, how many people, like, I'm sure that WandaVision spiked subscribers up because all the MCU fans went there, right? Mm -hmm. But then, I don't know, how how many viewers did the rest of those shows entice? Like, you you got who you were going to get at that that first one. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Um... Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think I feel like, and I know we. Well, I mean, I just to close the Jonathan Majors part of this. Yeah, that's pretty much you know where we're at with that. I mean, we'll talk about it as more information comes out. I'm sure, and we'll post stuff on our Facebook page. But you know, as for now, that's kind of what we have on that. We're hoping that it's not true, but if it is, if he was guilty of it, then I mean, yeah. you face the consequences, and so be it. I mean, destroy your career. That's on you, my friend. So. Um, but hoping yeah. it's just ultimately not true because I don't want, you know, you just don't want domestic violence happening. You know, no, you just don't no. want it to be true. So, um, right. but no, it's an interesting side topic that we got on too regarding uh, Marvel though and Disney is that I just feel like a lot of studios are, tra- are still figuring out how this whole streaming service model works. Like, how does it become profitable? Because you're right. Like, for an example, me and you probably signed up for Disney Plus early on because we heard that there was Marvel content and right. Star Wars content coming out. I was like, all right, cool, you got me. And I'll pay my monthly subscription. But how do you keep on going once you've got those fans in it to keep growing? How does it sustain profitability? And that's the odd thing about it. And 17 projects, though, in two years is bonkers. And yeah. We've heard Bob Iger say recently that yeah they're going to start scaling it back, and I don't think it's simply because oh you know Marvel's not doing so well or anything like that. They're still kicking ass and doing way better than most other studios are. Let's not get that mistaken. But I think that they understand that quality control from Kevin Feige. Like if he's they're putting out seventeen projects, he can't be as intimately involved with each project as he was previously when they were pumping out two or three movies a year. And if it was just one or two shows, that's different. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so maybe that is a lesson that they're learning. Like, Hey, a little less might be more in the long run. Yeah. And also to uh, something we've talked about, I've talked about at length on this show is the superhero genre fatigue, which we're definitely in. We're definitely hitting. And I think, you know, to churn out a lot, a ton of superhero movies like or superhero projects like 17 a year i think 
again, as you said, less is more because it adds to the fatigue. Like, I love this stuff, but it's not the only thing I love. And, you know, there's other stuff that that should be out there. But when you're turning out 17 Marvel projects a year, it detracts from other things at, like that's out there and kind of adds to this like, oh, OK, another superhero thing. And it's like, again, I like this stuff, but there is it, I, I liken this genre to the Western. Right. America uh, yeah. was obsessed and in love with the Western for decades, right up to the point where they went, fuck Westerns, I'm sick of them. And it like turned like that. And, I, and that's going to happen eventually. But the way to stave that off is to sort of, you know, don't put out a hundred things a year, put out three of quality. Yeah. And I believe that the old, the old, the person that replaced Bob Iger temporarily was the one who was kind of like, you know, pretty much telling Disney, I mean, Marvel and, and Lucasfilm and everything was, hey, you, you guys need to feed Disney Plus. What do you got for me for Disney Plus? Right. And I think, like you said, less is less is more in that situation where maybe you could alternate, like, saying, if you're going to, the movies, I the movies got to happen, right? Like, that's your bread and butter. Of course, of course. Three movies a year, fine. You got one in the beginning of the year, one in the middle of the year, one at the end of the year. And in between those two, right, in between one and two and then two and three, Maybe you pop in a show there. Yeah. So Marvel stays relevant all the time, but it's not OD. You know Agreed. what I mean? And again, it's true. We, I mean, dude, we created a podcast around this, around the, the genre. So obviously we love it, but you're right. We like horror movies. You know, we like action movies. We like comedies. We like other stuff. I love sports. You know, like you need other, th we have other interests. Right. And it's not that we're, I, don't, I mean, Jason, I think you'd agree. We're not complaining that no. oh, we got so much stuff, but. We we've enjoyed a lot of the the MCU stuff, but we could agree that we've agreed that not every single project has been pristine every single time. Right. So. Right. No, I, I think that's exactly it. Like, look, uh, even the worst of these movies, I enjoy. Like, yeah. I, I will if I come across Eternals on cable, I probably wouldn't shut it off because that's my low. That's that's my low bar at this point. <laughs> um, you know, so I always say that even the worst of this stuff, I enjoy on some level. But it's just when you like, and look, I'll be honest with you, in real time last year, getting to watch all of those and cover all of those different Disney Plus shows, I loved it as a fan because I'm not getting tired of this genre because I uh, understand what it is and I engage it on it with like uh, with that. But like looking back, it's like, yeah, that was a lot. And you know, and, and that's just it. They, they just you turn out too much, even if it's good. It also like leaves you going, well, what do you have left? You know, it also puts you in a position where you always have to keep reinventing the wheel. So it's not even that I'm complaining because I'm not because I enjoyed no. the shit of every MCU thing that's come out, even the stuff right. I, I'm not crazy about. But looking at it as a genre, looking at the the way the industry works, and just looking at things in general, it, it just realistically, I don't think it was a good idea to inundate the market with more stuff just because there was a little dip in quality in certain parts um and and also you know it could, you always want to leave your audience wanting more yeah and that's what the and that's what we used to get the feeling of when marvel studios movies remember and i've talked about on this show and that opening opening theme hits and they play they they show the marvel studios banner you get like goosebumps and you're like so excited that has i still excited but it's not as emphasized as it was before because we get it so much more often now 
But when you had it twice Agreed. a year, three times a year, like, oh boy, you know, can't wait here. Uh, I did want to go ahead and get to a couple of comments here. Uh, Majestic Bird, like cranking it out here, by the way. He also said it is seriously. Uh, I do love it. Netflix went overseas content to keep subscribers. No, you're right, because Netflix also, when they were the only, pretty much the only players in town, they had everyone's content. But now you have Disney Plus and Paramount mm -hmm. Plus and MGM Plus and Peacock and Amazon and everything else. Everyone else kind of wisened up to it, and they all took their content back eventually. So, yeah, Netflix had to go ahead and go elsewhere to get original content and other content. Man, I miss when Netflix was the only game in town because you could literally find almost anything on there. Yeah, it was, it was the time. There was just like, oh, yeah, I wonder what this thing is about. Oh, yeah, just check Netflix. Right? It's there. Right? Now Netflix is the one I go to last. Like, I, I go to HBO Max. I'll go to... Um, Hulu, because there are some real fun sitcoms on there if I want to go brainless. Uh, and then the list goes on, but like Netflix is at the bottom of that list. Like, because I don't know, do they have anything anymore? Are they relevant? I, oh, I want to get to, yeah. Ver's also saying it's like junk food for the West. Uh, we shouldn't eat it all, but yeah. we can't stop. No, you're right. Like, it wasn't true. Like, there are when you see them and then you go to town on it. Um, but you know, you're right. I'm with you, though. Netflix is the one. It's funny because they were the OG, but now I'm like, Cobra Kai is ending. Stranger Things is ending. What do you got for me after that? Because yeah. I didn't really get into Witcher that much. Um, and Oh, is that on Netflix? That's on Netflix. Oh, maybe Which I'll I'm not that. saying it was bad. It just wasn't. I don't know. I just it yeah. wasn't I wasn't in love with it. Fair enough. Yeah, I'm not I've been curious about checking that though. So, oh, that's right. a video game thing, right, Witcher? Yeah, video games, and I think there were like books based on it too. Um, but yeah, once they get rid of that stuff, you're like, okay, let's see what you got because you already lost. You lost. You had Marvel shows, so you had me there, and you had the Defenders era, yeah, and you lost yeah. that too. So, I don't know. They might be, and they're the most expensive one. I know. I know. I think at this point we only still have them just because I've always had them, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's true. Uh, Alex is saying, too, yeah, I know they found your thing. Uh, Netflix oh, is yeah. a crazy one. Yeah, I just I didn't watch Squid Game, so I didn't really Well, I did, and I loved every second of it, but my whole thing is, like, where are they going with the second season? Like, there have been things on Netflix that I've watched the first season went, that's brilliant. Watched the second season and went, why does that exist? And I'm afraid Squid Games is going to be that. Yeah. All right, I guess we'll we'll see uh, when that time comes. But yes, that is our that is our diet that we. It was interesting. We talked about Jonathan Majors, and then yeah, I think the Disney thing was something we wanted to get into. Burr, yeah. thank you, thank you for hooking us up. Thank and you, Burr. Throw any alley oops to, us to, to get us on that one. Is why you are majestic. Stay oh, majestic, yes. my friend. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of things that may or may not be majestic. Uh, we do have Gotham Knights uh, yeah, we episode do. two, which you have noticed I have not labeled it season one because this may or may not be the only season we ever get of it. Look, Ed, I'm making, I'm, I'm saying this right now, and if I'm wrong, I might regret it, but I will have to follow through. If this gets a second season, I leave the show. Oh my god, don't do that. That's how that's that's how confident I am. This won't make a second. Season. That was a double. That was a double ended thing. A, don't do that for you not to leave the show. B. Don't go ahead and give this a second season, please, God. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was, All right. Well, 
it's something. It, it was it was forty five minutes of television. All right, let's go. So now we got Superman. No, all right. Just oh. <laughs> no, all right. So here's a breakdown of this thing. So the, the Bat Kids are still on the run. The, the Batman babies, I'll call them. Um, they impound the Bat Cave, which not something I ever needed to see. Um, and then there's so all right so then they the the not gotham knights because these are not the gotham knights because they're no one the fucking bat family in this thing they decide that they they so travis trevor whatever baby bats i forget his name i'm not even gonna remember i'm not gonna bother remember anyone's name oh my god um yeah i'm look i'm gonna disrespect the show every week consummate to how they disrespect the batman franchise so uh, the Batman Turner son, Hayes. Turner there you Hayes. Go. I've already forgotten it. I, and you know what? I should have remembered it because the whole time I was watching this, I was going, Turn Hayes, old in my mind. <laughs> but anyway, all right, so I'll use his name. So Turner um, asks his friend from high school to use the Bat computer to figure out who set him up. And then all the Bat stuff gets impounded, and she can't do that. And they find out that the only way to do that through through um, Robin is to go to Wayne Enterprises, where, by the way, no one's cleaned up. Your bat's dead. No one's fixed that window. No one's no. done anything. Batman's fucking body's still laying there somewhere. Um, it's a crime scene. Indefinitely. So they go there because there's some information. Yeah, indefinitely. It's they're never gonna. It's Gotham City, right? So they they break in to get some information that he has on his computer there and the ch- do nothing the, the the children who have no relation to anything um they they're in the car with duella actually i do remember her name because i wrote it down the joker's kid and they're just like we're his backup no we're gonna leave him no we can't leave him and then like, of course, Duella says, and this is the writing on this is so bad because she's like, um, well, no one's ever stuck it out for me. No one's ever come back for me when I was in a jam. And then, of course, I went, OK, so she's going to leave these people and get herself stuck in a jam and they're going to save her. Oh, and spoilers. That's what happens. I called this 10 minutes in this stupid fucking episode. Um, it's the Court of Owls. The Talon is hunting them. They somehow don't get killed by the Talon twice. Yeah, I really wasn't buying that shit. Like, I, I don't buy that at all. But uh, by the way, there, there was three quick things I I clocked in this episode that so there's an Edward Edward Enigma yeah. name drop, which is I caught that. Necessary. Yeah, not great. Um, there was one thing that I was actually hold on. I'm gonna say something actually cool about this show. Okay, all right, ready I'm here for it. Did you notice the access code? To get into the Batcave. I did not. What was it? 1939. Oh, because it's the first Batman, first appearance of Batman, right? Yes. There you go. All right. So that's something. Okay. Hey, I'm just saying, hey, let's, listen. Let's build a show around that access code. <laughs> J- Jason, silver linings at this point. We're it's second episode in silver yeah. linings. We it's probably have something. about 10 to 12 of these to go. So let, let's do what we can. One thing that, and there's also something that insanely pissed me off. Because you mentioned the Court of Owls, which made me think of this whole thing. They're behind the murder of the Waynes? 
Oh, oh no, not just that, my friend. They're not just behind the murder of the Waynes. The Court of Owls has been hunting the Waynes and killing the, the, the patriarchs and the families for generations. What the fuck is that? I don't know, man. I, I don't know. This is them using the leftover parts that probably James Gunn and Peter Safran were like, I know this was made before them, but that's it. Like, either way, the former heads of the studio were like, "Listen, make your little Batman esque show, but here's a laundry list of things you can't use." Here, uh, we we got this great prize cow that we're gonna cut up called Batman, and so that first movie, uh prime flank steak. Oh, that second one, yeah, no, we got prime cuts there. Oh, you want something? Well, here's some fat and some gristle and uh, some bone. Can you do anything with that? <laughs> That's what the show is. This is a meatloaf made of fat, gristle, and bone of the Batman stuff. That Edward Nigma thing was stupid. I don't want name drops. All right. It, like, okay, you own the rights to use the name, but you're never going to show us the character? Fuck you. Why is this a Batman property then? I don't know, man. I don't know. But I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. So, Anything of, I mean, so pretty much this entire season is going to be, and we're assuming season will be about them trying to solve the murder of Bruce Wayne, Batman. But we already know who did it. It was the Court of Owls. Like, what's the, like, what, what's the mystery? Well, I guess to clear, so how, the mystery is how are they going to clear their names? Right. Of yeah. The Court of Owls, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Um, but like, I don't know. I'm sorry, but the way this this show set up, they don't. They all get murdered because if Batman couldn't survive this court of owls, the Bat babies and the Joker babies aren't going to. I mean, just that's, realistically that's speaking, that's fair. So, like, I don't know. This 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 fucking piece of garbage shot itself in the foot by aggressively throwing in the court of owls so early to try to get people to go. Oh, I remember that from a Batman comic. Maybe this is a Batman thing. <laughs> Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Who knows? It's not. Uh, spoilers, guys. It's not. Oh, man. That's. I mean, I don't know. Do you want me to go any further into it? I have notes. No, go ahead. Get get into it. I mean, if you want to. The thing is, also saying how much it sucks is one thing, but why? How? I, so the writings are right there with the. And again, there's not much to this episode. There really is. No, isn't, it, like, there really isn't at all, actually. Like, I've actually gone through everything except for Harvey Dent, who's not Two-Face, and is not a cop, but a lawyer, but still investigating this for reasons. I didn't think that lawyers were able to, um, prosecuting attorneys were able to interrogate witnesses, but apparently he can, because they call in um, her his friend, uh, Turner's friend, who was helping him hack, and they, like, caught her. And he's interrogating her, and it's like, I don't know, man. You're a fucking district attorney. Why are you interrogating her? Isn't that the cop's job? You would think that's why the police exist. I mean, one, yeah, one would think this. One would think that the that the police's job in society is to catch the criminals and collect the clues and give all that over to the district attorney to make their case. Not the district attorney who's not two faced, just goes in there and makes his own way. Like that, it doesn't make any sense. As as this much of the show just really does not. It it really doesn't. And then the whole thing about like the Joker's daughter, right? So she leaves them, and they. The, I don't even. I didn't even catch. And granted, I, I like. I only watched the show half as I'm doing stuff, but I didn't even catch how the Bat Babies escaped 
the Talon and the police in Wayne Tower, but they did. And I'm willing to bet I just wasn't paying attention, so whatever. Um, But, like, Duella's whole plan is to take the the Court of Owls watch and sell it to a pawnbroker, which is the stupidest thing ever because the only character in this show who has has expressed any understanding of the gravity of how dangerous these fucking Court of Owls people are is, is this Duella character. So why would she be stupid enough to try to sell a piece of their fucking memorabilia to some pawn shop guy she'd never met before who's obviously going to betray her and does obviously and uh, obviously because this show is dumb and as are the characters in the show as is the writing as is every like i don't understand what's here i don't get why this like it's funny because i was going to ask why gotham knights tonight but you did it for me on the facebook post and that's my real question why does this exist why gotham knights well, Jason, that is, that is our mission through this season of Gotham Knights, which we hope is the only one, is to figure out the true mystery of Gotham Knights. Why does it exist? I don't get it. Well, I mean, that's what we have to figure out. I mean, at least if it was a soulless cash grab that was just trying to sell Skittles and video games, I'd be like, all right, I get why it exists. I don't like it, but I get it. But this isn't even doing that. This is doing nothing. This is eating up 45 minutes of my week to cover on this show. That's what all it's doing. Yeah, this is, I think this is pretty much dead on arrival, honestly. Like when, um, shoot, man, a lot of the name is escaping me. The other CW show we covered uh, last year. Which one? Uh, oh, oh, um, Naomi. Naomi. We legitimately gave that a chance and we thought it had potential. We saw. It some did. potential in there and ultimately discovered exactly what the problem was. And we kind of figured what was happening then was they just dragged out. You know, you sometimes you play your cards too quick. That one played them way too slow, which is why you lost people's interest. This has just been every week. They're going to almost just have to justify why they exist. Yeah. Because again, I don't get it. I don't get who this is for. Like again, that woman was, Bat family I wasn't familiar with and didn't particularly care about. But I got the... And I, I think I remember saying this on the show. This is for someone. It's just not for me. Right? I watched this show going, I don't know. I can't imagine who this is for. I don't know either. This show very much reminds me of an early 2000 CW show. Yes, yes. And it, the time period when we got Birds of Prey, which was better than this. Yeah, Much better than this. 100%. Look, Birds of Prey is one of the best Batman-less Batman shows I've seen. It's better than this. I think I honestly think Birds of Prey is better than the first two seasons of Batwoman. And I think Birds of Prey is a hell of a lot better than Gotham. I can agree with that. Yeah. So like they actually I don't got even... live action Mark Hamill as the Joker. Right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And we actually did see live action Batman briefly in flashbacks. They were they were at least cognizant of yeah, we're doing a non-Batman show, a Batman show without Batman. So let's at least give the audience something. Yeah. And we got Harley like, Quinn. We actually we did. did get Harley Quinn. 
so like that and that was you know that was before they really understood the formula for these things so i give it a lot of respect for what it did so like comparing this to that is like i don't know it's comparing to it's comparing a above mediocre sandwich i ate to a shit sandwich like it's just there's no comparison yeah this is this is a rough go um, we're, we're gonna we're, we do watch every week hoping to find something I, cool because i don't want to come up here and just shit talk it for yeah. 15 minutes but i'm not trying to hate it but it is what it is it, it's making it hard not to hate it leave it at that again the the only th- four recognizable things from batman so far was joe chill's gun oh yeah we all needed a show based around that the name drop of edward nigma oh yeah couldn't do the, I mean, I could literally fucking write a non-Batman screenplay and name drop Edward Nigma. It doesn't matter. That's meaningless. Um, the Robin that's not really the Robin from the comic that it's based on. And Harvey Dent that doesn't actually reflect Harvey Dent or Two-Face's character in the comic at all. Like, it's just names. That's all we're given here is names. Yeah. Even though I would say that I, I like Harry Kelly, Robin, but... <clears throat> It's it's not enough. I don't. That's it's, just not enough. It's not. And again, it's just not. It's not the Carrie Kelly from that comic run because that comic run was a futuristic, post-apocalyptic Elseworlds, like or dystopian Elseworlds, like. So you're just again, it just feels so like oh, we're just gonna take this name. It's like, I mean, I don't know. At least make her a fucking futuristic-looking punk rocker or something. At least give her the aesthetic. Uh, Carrie Kelly has in the comic with the the glasses and the short red hair or, or short whatever. They just went, nah, we're just going to call her Carrie Kelly and that's it. Yeah, pretty much. At least not no slingshot, no nothing. Right, yeah, there's nothing that goes, oh, that's that character. Nothing except for the name. Um, all right, well, let's get to the fun CW stuff that we did get this week. Uh, Superman and Lois, season three, episode two. Um, this pretty, pretty powerful episode. I mean, the big thing, the big reveal in this episode was something that we discussed last week. Pretty much, you know, Lois had, Lois finds out that she's not pregnant last week and then goes into this week. And it's what we kind of feared was going to happen is that it turns out that Lois is diagnosed with, with, uh, breast cancer very early on. I think it's stage three cancer that they give her. She finds out in the beginning of the episode. She doesn't really tell anyone for quite some time. As you can see, it's weighing on her mind throughout the episode until there's a big moment that, that comes where there is a there is a judge who Bruno Mannheim is going ahead and threatening, who clearly you know is is working for her, um, works for him or is connected to him, and she's about to throw herself off a roof. And then that's where, you know, Lois tries to sympathize with her about dealing with something that was an unstoppable force that she can't possibly control. And then she, that's when she confesses that she has, uh, that she was diagnosed with cancer and Superman happens to be on site who's going to try to save the judge from throwing herself off the roof. And that's what he overhears it too. And then that's the reveal. And they, at the end of the episode, they're talking to their sons uh, and saying how they're going to get through it together. It's a it's a pretty powerful, powerful moment, and you know, really heartfelt in this episode. That's that is the biggest takeaway of this episode. But the other thing is that we do get in here is we find out that 
Apparently, uh, Tal bought a villa from Michael Bay. At one point, I was overseeing a thing. That was interesting. And I, I love that. I do love that a joke is uh, Superman says, I mean, he bought it from Michael Bay, and Lois, like, that's not a, that's not a selling point. <laughs> no, I thought it was great. You know, I was dying laughing when I, when I heard that. Any Michael uh, Bay shots are all welcome. And we'll be taking a lot when we get into our Transformers run. <laughs> Ooh, that's uh, there's going to be quite a bit of that coming in a couple of months. Um, there is a huge house party in Metropolis that apparently the Kent brothers end up going to, uh, where uh, Jordan goes ahead and he runs into Sarah at this because Sarah was separately invited uh, and goes ahead and takes. Uh, John Henry Iron's daughter too, and she ends up meeting a guy there as well. Uh, then they do play this whole like beer pong. They do get to play beer pong, and Sarah has a badass moment where she pretty much calls this guy beer bitch, who's kind of like the you know bully of the episode. So I thought that was kind of cool. And then it turns out Jordan went ahead and froze his car and kind of used yeah, his powers to kind of like do that. Yeah. So that, that was kind of fun. Uh, that's also where our, our opening song came from. It was played at that house party. Um, another great moment in this episode is Superman and Bruno Mannheim meet in his apartment. Yeah. And they have this awesome scene together where pretty much that Bruno's dude, like, that, oh, yeah. that dude that they got to Bruno Mannheim is fucking imposing and talented. Like their showdown, yeah. like where Bruno Mannheim is like, I'm here trying to help the community. You're there trying to put band-aids on, on problems. Like, oh, shit! <laughs> yeah, and he also told me, you haven't changed shit in all the years you've yeah. been around. Yeah. I've at least helped my community, community, and that's where we hear Suicide Slums comes in, because that's where they call his part of uh, Metropolis, which I thought was also really interesting as well, because uh, we had wondered about that last week when Superman sees it. So really kind of calling out Superman Saying like you know you save everyone else, but like this little this neighborhood over here, this little neighborhood, you know we don't we don't see around here too much. Don't think it was intentional, but I think they were just mainly shots for him to get under his skin. Also denying that he's the leader of uh, inter gang and all of that, like kind of like cleaning him, you know, his hands, you know, free of this. Another names name drop of Lex Luthor, who we know we're going to see later this season as well. I got a lot of Tobias Whale vibes from this guy. Yes, agreed. Right, agreed. like, and from, we love to buy Black well. Lightning because oh no, that's a that's a huge compliment. That guy was one of the oh. best villains on any of these CW shows. Um, but like that whole like, I'm not a, like the, the front facing like, um, you know, I'm a philanthropist. I'm helping the community, but in the back, I'm really a murderous villain. Like, you know, I and I, I dig characters like that, so I'm excited to see how this plays out. No, me too. So the gentleman who plays uh, Bruno Mannheim is Chad Coleman. Okay. Yeah, and he was also he's a Walking Dead alumni as is uh, Michael Colditz. Oh, oh, is he the guy in the skull cap? Yes. That's it. Oh my god, I loved him on that show. I didn't even recognize him. He was I was still watching Walking Dead and he was awesome in the seasons he was in. I'm so happy to see him back. Yeah, no, we, we got two Walking Dead alumni joining uh, Superman and Lois this season as Superman villains. That's all. Who's the other one? Uh, Michael Colditz. He is playing Lex Luthor. Oh, okay, okay. So I guess I'll see if I know him when I see him. 
Oh no, you you um you know you were definitely watching. I, I gotta believe at that point. He's uh he played Abraham, the redheaded dude. Oh, who, yeah. Okay, the goatee right, and everything. Cool. Yeah, that uh Negan. He's one of the dudes. Negan fucking. Yeah, he's he he's one of the guys who like he's the guy who was lying to people and saying that he had the cure. No, that was uh that was his um that was one of the guys in his crew that was there. Oh, okay. All right, yeah. so I'm sure I know him. I'll recognize him. Yeah, you'll you'll I'm in two seconds. I'm sure you'll know. Him. Uh, but this episode was directed by Elizabeth Henstrich, who was Jenna Simmons on Agents of Shield. Oh, cool! I liked her a lot, actually. No, oh, so did I. And yeah, it's interesting. So the first two episodes of season three of uh, uh, Superman and Lois, directed by uh, Carnival, was the season premiere. Now Elizabeth Henstrich, so. It's cool to see that whole little circular comic book TV show thing going around. For sure. And great job. This was a great episode, as as these show as the show always does. Yeah, no, it was it was a lot of fun. And I'm just curious to know, like I, I can't imagine Melissa's just she's gonna go through it with cancer, I, I believe. But yeah. I, and I called this Superman of Lois. No, no, you did. That's what I was saying. We mentioned it last week. Yeah. So, but uh, kudos, but, yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm excited to see Mannheim. I'm, I'm kind of excited. They're setting up. I think maybe I'm wrong, but I, I don't think I am. They're setting up like a John Henry Irons uh, romance with the mayor. Oh, Lana Lang. Yeah, I, I yeah. kind of got that impression because they were together and they're like, he's making this dinner for his daughter who left for the house party, and she's looking for her daughter, and it was that situation where they kind of meet up and i'm like so hold on a second are they gonna get together meanwhile her ex-husband is going ahead and hooking up with lois's boss lois and clark's boss yeah i don't know it's people people I'm are lucky. people in smallville jason are Look. about to get it on <laughs> yeah it, it kind of seems like that's what's going around there it it is. Hey, look, even people in Smallville Smallville need to fuck. I mean, you know, that's just of course. That's human nature. That's, but it that's seems like everyone's are, trading right? partners this season, like in the first two episodes. This is this is the swinger season. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, I, I I do want to point out that um, uh, what I forget her her name, but um, Lana's daughter, Sarah. What's her name? Sarah. Sarah. Um, yeah. I I want to point out that Sarah. We were bitch. We were bitching. I was bitching last week about how mean she's been to Jonathan. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, she kind of owns it in this, and I appreciate that. She's because he's like, "Sorry, I didn't know you were at this party, or I would have talked to you, but I didn't know if you wanted me to talk to you." And she's like, "I've been really hard on you. Don't walk on eggshells around me. Let's figure this out." And I kind of appreciated her calling out that she's kind of been shitty to him, even if she doesn't want to be with him. She still has been shitty to him, so I'm kind of glad to see that be called out and them kind of work on their friendship. Yeah, no, they had way more fun in this episode in that house party. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and the fact that they got to play beer pong and stuff like that too. Like, I mean, that spoke to me completely because I just love beer pong. So, yeah. And I'm gonna right. I'm gonna call bullshit on on this is. Playing beer pong without the beer defeats the whole fucking purpose. The whole purpose of beer pong is not who has the best hand-eye coordination when you're sober. Because I couldn't win beer pong if that were the case. 
the true test is the people how can you endure and keep playing as you get drunker with hand-eye coordination and that is why i'm good at beer pong because alcohol does not impede my hand-eye coordination at all so i start not so great and people start above me but as they degrade i don't so the fact that they were playing beer pong for money without actually drinking i call bullshit on i would have been absolutely furious with as someone who has won many a house party beer pong tournament so i went through the stages the rounds of drinking and drinking and usually the the St. Paddy's Day party that me and my wife used to host years ago, there was a massive amount of drinking. I would always have a side beer on the side going while taking shots during this tournament. <laughs> so to. understand to. that I was pretty drunk during this tournament. And that was more than, and we had Grogan's Rocky Three belt as the championship belt every year. And, and that's the point. The point is not how good you were in the beginning of the night, it's how good you no. remain at the end of the night after the drinking. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I think that would have really caused some serious shit. But I can yeah, chalk they, they that up to kicked out of a Cavus party. Oh, there's no question about it. They would have been fucking done. That would have been it. They would have been eliminated <laughs> and, and moved on. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's go ahead and get to our movie of the week then. Um, Do we have to, mentioned- Ed? Can, can we just talk more? Can we just talk more about Superman and Lois? There was some other good stuff, right? Like we we didn't mention all the the good songs they did. We we didn't mention the fun one liners. Like there's stuff we missed, right? Ed, do we have to move on so quickly? There's a part of me that wants to move on because I feel like this is going to be an entertaining exercise of rage. Oh boy, maybe for both of us. So. Depends on your definition of fun. All right. So we, we you know, little, you know, behind baseball stuff. Um, we map out our, our themes and uh, movies we're going to watch. You know, the shows kind of plug themselves in as it goes. So we had a couple of spots in here for the next couple of months. So we decided to fill them with some one-offs. That brings us to Frank Miller's The Spirit from 2008. And I want to be clear um, here that this is my fault, okay? Because Ed said you've always been wanting to get to Watchmen or leave. No, you said leave Extraordinary Gentlemen, and I went, did. "We could do leave Extraordinary Gentlemen, but we should kind of save that for an Alan Moore run." Let me see if I can find a one-off. And then I went, "The Spirit." So this is my fault. I hate myself right now. I wish we were talking about leave Extraordinary Gentlemen. We probably should have, um, but. Not, <laughs> but here we are in spirit and in and in form. It's too bad we didn't get it because I'm actually seeing here. So DC Comics had a one shot of Batman in the Spirit from January 2007, which was written what? by uh, Joe Loeb. Yeah, and introduced spirit into the DC universe. And I think that's another. That's a big problem I had with this. Is the spirit is a newer addition to the DC universe, especially considering this movie came out, what, a year or two after that? 2008, you said, right? Oh, it's, yeah. it's there, 2008. So, like, the fact that this movie is based on a character that's a year old and is... Well, no, no, it, it was shitty? before that. No, no, it was before that. It, it existed before it was. that. His introduction into the DC universe. 
wasn't was in oh, oh he oh he yeah. existed he existed in like a, a third party comic book thing yeah exactly it wasn't really like major, okay, okay it wasn't on the major trends right. but um withdrawals yeah so for you not familiar to, to kind of set the table this yes this was Frank Miller getting to direct a film and he also wrote the screenplay for this which kind of oh boy can, he did so all all those times that we've talked about comic book writers should go ahead and write the screenplay for their adaptation. Not guaranteed success. We were wrong. Yes. You know, as much as I wanted Kevin Smith to write Daredevil, maybe it works. No, but maybe you know doesn't. what, though? You know what, though? But Kevin Smith is different because Kevin Smith actually is a writer who can write. I've seen Kevin Smith films. movies that he's written. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I've seen movies he's written. I've gone. Those that's good dialogue. That's good stuff. They're, maybe they're not. They don't hold up the best nowadays. But I still enjoy the shit of them. The, the actually the problem I have with this writing, uh, this movie, uh, is the incompetent writing. The writing is the worst part of this movie. I if this was a better written movie, just dialogue wise, even if you keep the stupid set pieces and you keep the baffling Nazi twist at the end with the octopus, which is Sam Jackson, which don't get me even started, but stupid that fucking name is. Um, but even if you keep all of the set pieces, if you actually had a competent person who could write dialogue, this movie would have been better. What hurts yeah, no, this movie uh, for me is just how fucking terribly written it is. Yeah, because visually, like, as in for the effects and cinematography and everything, if you've seen Sin City, that's literally what this movie is. It is Sin yeah. City rehashed completely, and from a visual aspect, and from a tonal aspect of the film noir, comic book type thing it keeps on going for, but this movie doesn't know what it is. It's like, is it a parody? Because remember, Jason, I was texting while I was watching this Saturday night. I'm like, this is like a parody of Sin City meets Dick Tracy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's this weird 40s aesthetic in the Sin City world with the worst film noir dialogue I've ever seen. Like, And you're right. I don't, what is this? Does it want to be a parody? Because when you introduce your villain as Octopus, that's stupid. I mean, you're, you're trying to make fun of something, right? I don't know what you're trying to make fun of, but I mean, you got to be trying to make fun of something. Uh, the whole character of the spirit, the fact that, like, his whole background is he's a cop who was killed in the line of duty, and the octopus just gave him this fucking god serum that brought him back to life and made him invincible. Like, that's it? What What is this movie even trying to, to say? It. Yeah, because he was trying to test pretty much the octopus who's played by Sam Jackson is a scientist who experiments on a cop who had died. The cop, it turns out, was he loves his city because he's the spirit of the city and he has an ex-girlfriend who they broke up when they were teenagers who was played by Eva Mendes when she's older and she leaves the city because she wants diamonds and she wants more and she wants like I don't know what her motivation is at some point like that I was kind of lost with as well and I don't know what the hell is going on there and then Sam the octopus has his right-hand person, which is Silken Floss, who's played by Scarlett Johansson. Um, so we have talent here with Sam Jackson and Scarlett Johansson, and obviously I, I you know, will have a place for Eva Mendes as I 
had displayed on our Ghostwriter episode. Definitely a, a Hollywood crush there, which, you know, listen, it is what it is. Hey, cheers, to it. cheers to Ryan Gosling. Nice work, my friend. But, dude, this movie gives us a scene which it was so insanely laughable that I didn't know what to make of it. Like, this, and the scene I'm referring to is when we go ahead and we we run into uh, Sans Serif, who is you know, the ex-girlfriend that Eva Mendes plays. She's met, and she basically strips down her clothes, and we we get a somewhat nude shot of her, and she goes at and ends up walking over to a... She gets dressed at some point, and she walks over to a photocopier and sits on it, and there's a photocopy made, and she looks at it and says the perfect ass, and the spirit sees this photocopy later, and that's how he identifies her? This is serious. This yeah. is, like, actually what happens in the movie. This isn't a joke. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, you can't make this up. You can't. Like, you're right. That, it's a stu- it's stupid. Like, I don't know, man. Snakes on a Plane was a more sensical Sam Jackson movie. If you, if you told me I had to pick a Sam Jackson movie that was more watchable, I would say Snakes on a Plane. And that's yes. a pretty unwatchable movie, I think. Well, I think the movie, at least Snakes on the Plane, knew what it was. The spirit yeah, exactly. doesn't know what it is. It, it, it's like a, thing... the dialogue is parody. The story is somewhat parody, but then it's played straight. And I'll, I'll, I'm going to give this movie one and only one compliment. And it's not even really a compliment. It's just something that I'm like, okay, th- th- this makes me okay with this movie on this level. Kevin Arnold's dad got a job. Yes. Because he's yes. like the detective or the, the head of the, the police. And I saw him and I went, ha, huh, Kevin Arnold's dad, he doesn't look like he aged. I'm so glad he's still working. That was the only enjoyment I got from this movie was realizing I knew Kevin Arnold's dad. It's like being at a party that really sucks. And you go, ha, huh, I don't know that person, but we're like, we have a Facebook friend in common and, Okay, it's interesting to see them in real life. I'm still not enjoying this thing, but that's something. Yeah, and I don't know. Like this movie had things going for it. I mean, love Sam Jackson. He's always usually fun in anything that he does. In this, but, it, but he's not. He's, he's not fun in this. He's that's well. Yeah, that's what I was gonna do. Like he's sorry. he's nothing. He looks like he doesn't want to be there, and his. Ultimate fear is having egg on his face. As long as he doesn't have egg on his, and I think yeah. Sam Jackson had egg on his face after this movie debuted. But the character of I the octopus is petrified of the egg on his face throughout this entire and, movie. Like even just the beginning of this movie, the beginning sets the tone of how stupid this fucking movie is. Where the spirit comes and he's like, so this whole thing with these two boxes. And Scarjo's trying to get one of the boxes, and she doesn't know which box she wants. And I don't even know why these two boxes are there. Like, again, I I don't know what the fuck's going on, but she wants one of these boxes. Octopus wants one of these boxes. They get each other's boxes. And the spirit shows up. And the octopus is like, oh, we're going to be at this all night. And they start fighting. And it's like, 
that is dumb as dog shit. We're, we're going to be at this all night. But that's not even what I'm leading up to. The worst part are the, the octopus's weird clone goons that all have random fucking words as names. And I texted you, like, so it starts off the first three goons are ethos, pathos, logos, which I, I teach AP language in high school, so I actually... I'm very familiar with this means. It's ethos is credibility. Pathos is emotion. Logos is appeal of logic. These are three threads to um, argumentative writing uh, and, and ar making an argument, right? And you had an actual opportunity to have these three, one be very credible, one be very intelligent, and one be very passionate, except all you get are three people shitting in their hand and smelling it because they're all dumb as dog shit. They're all dispendable, they don't actually have none of these fucking clones of any personality outside of the other, which makes it more infuriating. They all have different names because who gives a shit? Yeah, it's you know, all the clones are played by Louis Lombardi. Um, and it's they're it's just dumb, dude. It just that's the that's the best way to describe this movie is just flat out dumb. Yeah, and the spirit himself also, his whole running thing is he basically is hypersexualized and was trying to pretty much chase skirts the whole movie. Like that's yeah, his thing, I guess. Because but also chasing, like, but also chasing the octopus. Those are two things. Like, that's it. Not married, but like with Kevin Arnold's dad's daughter. And like so, they're together. But he's yeah, you're right. He's also chasing skirt all the time. It's like Sarah Paulson what is plays this? Ellen Ellen Dolan. That's yeah, oh, that's the doctor Paulson, that fixes which, him up. Right, which I like Sarah Paulson a lot actually because I was a big American Horror Story guy for a while, and she does a lot of great work on that show. So I was actually happy to see her in this too. Well, no, I wasn't happy for her. It was it was nice to see her, but I wish she chose a better role. Um, but but yeah, the, you're right. He's just. Like, his whole thing is he's just like, I can't commit to you, but we're together, but I'm chasing skirt, I'm this. And it's like, what? What? Why is that your defining characteristic? That's kind of what it is. And uh, the spirit is played by Gabriel Macht, who apparently was, uh, his big thing was Suits. Which I never saw, so I, didn't, I actually didn't know who this guy was. Yeah, no, that's like, it's kind of like he got his, you know, that was his claim to fame, and then I guess he got this around the time you know, Suits was, was going on. So, I don't know, he got his lead role in a comic book movie, and like I was saying before, though, like, you give me Sam Jackson, I'm usually going to be entertained. You know, always, always happy to see ScarJo. You know, always happy to see Eva Mendes, and you I, still couldn't I, keep my attention at all. I barely recognize ScarJo in this. No, and, and listen, I knew, she, I knew she was in the movie, and she pops in and out of the movie as the octopus is right-hand person, but her whole deal is also weird as well. Like, okay, she helps this guy, and that's kind of her thing, I guess. And right, that's that's just there's no reason she doesn't have she has no well. And here's the thing: this is a Frank Miller movie that he wrote and directed, and I'm sorry, but like, it's kind of public record that Frank Miller hates women. Like, he's very misogynistic. So. You know, it shows like in no this movie. woman, 
It does, because no woman has agency or motivation. Every woman in this movie is just someone who helps a man. For reasons. Yeah, and, and then, and again, like, uh, Sans Serif, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Sans Serif, who played, who was played by Eva Mendes, her whole thing is, right. I just want diamonds, I want jewelry, I want fortune, and that's her motivation. Right. That's it? And that's the thing. You're right. She, and she's the one female character with any agency, and her whole motivation is, I'm a gold digger, and I want money, and I will get, I will, I will kill my lover, I will kill love to get that money, which is like... I'm sorry, that's, again, kind of misogynistic there, where the only character that's agency is just a fucking gold digger. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> pretty pretty, pretty rough watch in general. It's not even like, oh, because it's 2023, you kind of see the movie this way. No, it's not like that, dude. This, this has gotten a 17 on Rotten Tomatoes for a reason this movie's fucking garbage. Oh. Yeah, and it, it was garbage since day one. I wish I wrote some of the dialogue down, but I, I refuse to take notes for this movie. But like, it's so oh, sorry. Fourteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Fair enough. Yeah, which yeah, <laughs> there's a reason. But it's so overwritten and so badly written, and it's like, if you if you're a good writer and you write a really sharp film noir movie, like Knives Out. Knives Out is a cool film noir movie, right? Like that's mm -hmm. a newer one. Um, yeah. Or if you even go back to, like, The Maltese Falcon, which is a sharp, older film noir movie. A sharp film noir movie has, in the dialogue, you have the film noir sense in the way they're speaking. But it's also really clever. This is like someone, this is like you put a hundred monkeys in a room and you just took the the best script after a hundred years that looked like the film noir movie. Like, because it was, it's so overwritten and so bad, like... Like, I, I, I can't even explain how bad the dialogue is in this movie. Like that is as a writer, that's the thing that upsets me the most. It's just how bad the dialogue is. For most of this, I had no idea what was going on, and I kept waiting for things to clear up, and they just never do. Like at all. It's it's astonishing. So it's so bad. Yeah. This and that's that last scene with Sam Jackson in the Nazi uniform, what the fuck was going on there? Why? Because this movie does not take place in the 1940s. I have got, I got nothing from this movie to make me think it takes place in the 1940s. At worst, yeah. it takes place in that weird else world, the world is a film noir movie that Sin City does, right? Mm -hmm. Why does Sam Jackson the octopus just Don Nazi regalia and go on his villain rant in a Nazi outfit while Scarjo's also wearing a Nazi. What is going on in that scene? I don't know. I I don't know. By the way, I didn't realize that Frank Miller is credited as a co-director in both Sin City movies with Robert Rodriguez. Yes, he is, but I think that was mostly because he, um, at least for the first one, I know this is true because I did read up on it, um, he helped out a lot, like with he didn't actually direct anything. He was on set giving sort of advice to how to line the line things up to make it kind of look like the panel. So he was a consultant who got assistant director credit. Robert Rodriguez is the director of that first movie for sure. I can't speak for the second because I thought it was dumb and I, I never looked into it. But that first one, I know that like 
you know, he he did some assistant directing stuff, but Robert Rodriguez was the driver of that movie. Yeah, I kind of felt that's a, I guess when I, as soon as I read that, I was just like, you know, something that's probably what it was. Robert Rodriguez was running the show and kind of like training Frank Miller right. a little bit because he wanted and, to get into film after he hated Hollywood for so long. And I'll tell you something, this movie directed by Robert Rodriguez was a brush over by someone else a, like that Robert Rodriguez knew or maybe even him of the script could have been something. Because Robert Rodriguez knows how to, because he's he's done shit like Mariachi and, or Desperado rather, and um, the vampire movie he did with QT. Like he knows how to take something ridiculous and make it fun and realistic, or as realistic as it needs yeah. to be to to be fun. And I think that's why Sin City works, is because he's like a talented director who understands how fucking movies work, and he can make crazy shit his powers to make crazy shit really entertaining and seem believable but without him on this movie it's like this is just crazy shit that doesn't work yeah that's that, that's that's a pretty good way to, to sum it up is there's wild ideas here that just don't add up to shit like for the entire time so if you were curious about the spirit let your curiosity go away because we there's no way I can with a I can't I couldn't recommend this thing at, at all to anybody but hey all films subjective maybe it's your jam I don't know I'm gonna say two things I'm gonna say I'm gonna admit this was a movie it wasn't just an experience uh okay. I'm gonna admit yeah. this was a movie that was released in theaters <laughs> it was um I, I'm going to say that if you do like this movie, that's fine. I mean, as, as Ed said, this is all subjective, but I would, if you haven't watched this movie, I'm going to strongly suggest you forget it exists. <laughs> because I yeah. think even some of the worst movies than this we've watched, I might rewatch again before I did this, just because... Like, of course, there are movies like Amazing Spider-Man 2 I'm never going to rewatch. I'd fucking watch this six times before I watched that. There, there are movies that got the fuck you movie that I'm not going to rewatch. But, like, there are shitty movies we've watched that I I would rewatch 100% over this. Even though this might technically look better and be, like, be a technically looking better movie. Like, I don't know. I'd rewatch Howard the Duck over this. You own Howard the Duck. That's not fair. <laughs> I do. All right, fine. That's that's actually not a good. I would rewatch Howard the Duck at a moment's notice. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I would rewatch. All right, uh, this is a bold statement. I would rewatch BVS over this. And you know, I don't love. You know, I have no love for that. Movie. I I know, but there's the Batman scenes and a couple of Wonder Woman scenes right, that are redeemable. Fine. fine. You, you're gonna make me say it. You're gonna make me say it, Ed. I might, oh. might, might rewatch Wonder Woman eighty four over this. Might. I would. I would. I, I probably I, would. I, it was gonna least, piss me off in the end, but I would. Because at least that has something. This has nothing. <sighs> Both movies are shit. We we've been on a little exactly. bit of a tough was, run right here. We've been on a tough run here. Fan four stick, the spirit. Oh god, yeah. 
Yeah, let's not forget yeah, that. Yeah, it's it's never forget, guys. So look, we watch this movie so you guys don't have to. We've done you. We've we've done. We're doing a public service this week. Yeah. So on some weeks, and again, we we get a kick out of it. But this was this was painful, man. It, it is one of the yeah, worst movies we've covered. It's in a conversation. I wouldn't say it's the worst. I'm going to say this conversation though. It's one of the most joyless movies we've covered, hands down. Like, because I think you could be bad and have joy. Like, Supergirl was dumb and not a movie and an experience. We had joy ripping it apart. There was joy there. I took no pleasure tonight ripping this movie apart. There's no pleasure to be taken in this movie. Like, I just think this is a joyless movie, and we have covered worse movies for sure that had more joy. Yeah. Fan Four Stick is not one of them, by the way. Fan Four Stick is the most joyless piece of shit I've ever seen. Fan Four Stick is not one of them. Um, Supergirl is one of the worst movies we've covered, but there is comedic value to it. This there was not. (laughs) Yeah. It's in the conversation. I'll I'll just leave it at that. I'll leave it at there's. It's in the conversation of one of the worst movies we've ever covered. Like probably top ten. I agree. Oh, for sure, top ten. And and what a what a waste of talent. Like, and I think that's something that really is a detriment to this movie is you got talent on the line and you squandered it. You squandered a tooth in a two thousand Sam Jackson. How do you squander a two thousand Sam Jackson? Yeah. Oh, it was said in a Bronx tale, right? A word. There's nothing worse than wasted talent, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's the most frustrating thing. Uh, All right. Well, that pretty much wraps it up for us this week. Thanks for joining us. As always, if you joined us on the Facebook live stream, be sure to join the Granny's PhD Facebook group and check out the conversation and the uh, trailers and stuff like that that we share all the time uh, in between shows. If you're joining us on uh, Twitter, you can go ahead and be sure to follow at Pop Culture Pros. Joining us on YouTube. You can go ahead and subscribe to uh, Pop Culture Pros Instagram. Give us a follow. And wherever you found your audio-only podcast, be sure to subscribe to Pop Culture Pros. Check out all the cool stuff that we got going on the network. Baseball season's heating up. We got the Empire 161 show coming back on Wednesday night with me and Lisa. We get to talk about the New York Yankees every week with opening day on Thursday. Uh, Jason, double O deep dive. Yep, Double O Deep Dive is back this Wednesday. Ginny and I are back in the back in the saddle, back in the Aston Martin, uh, covering you. Uh, you only live twice, which um, I'm actually kind of glad that we didn't get to go on the week we were supposed to, and we had to uh, put it off because it gave me time to listen fully to the audiobook, so I can actually talk about the audiobook and um, you know the audiobook and the movie are nothing alike, almost nothing alike. And I'm very excited to kind of break that down and talk about the movie with Ginny and and talk about probably the most iconic Blofeld. So, yeah, join us Wednesday, 830. We're going to be here, uh, James. We're going to be James Bonding together. And actually, we're pulling the Wednesday PCP doubleheader because the Empire 161 show season four premiere is seven o'clock on Wednesday. Nice. So we'll we'll be taking it off and, you know, handing it off to you guys. So. Double header, exciting! So good, guys. Just make Wednesday a PCP night. Yeah. Start with Eddie, end with me. There you go. Get get all your get your Yankees fill, get your Bond fill, get get it all. 
Uh, if you're into the Mets, if that's your thing, check out the Put It in the Book Show with Rachi and Keith and Rodriguez. They had a new episode earlier today, so be sure to check that out. Uh, wrestling, you check out Tim and Eric on Just Too Sweet. They're on tomorrow night. Uh, can't get want more of Tim and Eric? Check out uh, the A to Z show. I believe they're usually on Fridays. Uh, you got Don on uh, Am I on the Air? And you also got uh, uh, Skyline Reviews on Thursday night. So be sure to check that out. Uh, Jason and I will be back next Monday night uh, with another episode of Granny's Peach Tea. We will be talking about the latest episode of Superman of Lois, Gotham Knights. The Flash is back this week. So we got our three CW shows. And our movie of the week actually will be the live-action Super Mario Brothers from 1993. As we had mentioned last Ooh. week, but we're definitely happening this week. Dennis Hopper, uh, John Leguizamo as Luigi, uh, Bob Haskins as as Mario. So, should be interesting to revisit this one. This is going to be insane. I actually have seen this movie twice. Both were very drunk, bad movie nights, um, which I had a shit ton of fun with. And all I the, the two things I remember about this is Dennis Hopper's hair, and it ends with the most audacious setup for a sequel that was never going to happen. You guys are going to never believe this. Done. <laughs> I saw this in the theater in 1993 as a 13 year old, a couple of times. Did you really? Did you love that. this? Did you love this movie as a kid? I think I was open to. I was very much open to it because you got to remember what we were getting in 1993 from, oh, you know, yeah. how hot Mario Brothers was. You know, everyone yep. loved it. Everyone, it's amazing. It's still going. Um, and I'm 13, so, I mean, it, yeah. it was it was probably it was the summer before IAT actually. Oh wow! Was it is it the summer before we went to high school? I believe so. I think this was just straight out of uh, IS-93. Wow. So That's yeah. crazy. So I would say Rain was working a little differently 30 years ago when I as I was running my For aspect sure. of movies. So For sure. It'll be fun to revisit it now uh, as an adult. So, um, All right. So we'll see you guys next week. All right. Peace. Later.